0: You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Elmer and on today's episode, we hear Emma Winchester give her talk, Jesus the Bridegroom, from our recent Spirit and Truth Conference in Alabama. It is a beautiful message and I can't wait for you to hear it. It's such an honor to be with you. It's such an honor and a privilege to proclaim the gospel, which is a right that we have all been given. And uh, Matt is right. (laughs) My friend Jenna and I, we, we just heard the Lord so clearly say, drop everything, come to me, you need me. And out of desperation, out of brokenness, out of hunger, we dropped everything. And we came to him and we found exactly what we needed, which is him himself. And as he just poured out his love on us, day after day, hour after hour, we were healed, we were filled with life again, we had hope, and he began to speak to us about the church, about our own families, and as he spoke to us I remember so clearly at the very beginning he would just say it's just all about me it's just all about me and we've made it about so many other things but it's meant to be about him and he is our groom we are the church we are a family we are sons and daughters but we are also a bride pure, blameless, spotless, because of his blood. His blood made us washed as white as snow. And I remember him just so clearly saying, I'm jealous for you. I'm so jealous for you. I just want your time. I want your attention. I want your affection. I want to love you and I want you to love me back. And I'm going to love you until you start loving me back. Because we are stubborn in that way. We think that he requires work. We have a lot of Marthas in the house of the, God, in the, house of the Lord. Which are good. We need servants. But I believe in this year, in this time, God is asking for lovers. He's asking for Marys who will just sit at his feet and choose the good thing, the right thing, which is him himself. And so I'm going to start looking at my notes now. (laughs) Yeah, it's been so good to be with you all. It's so good to see familiar faces, my brothers and sisters, and it's so good to meet new family members. It's just amazing how we can all gather in one place different states, different backgrounds, different generations, different races, different languages, different everything, different families, and yet, under the name of Jesus Christ, we are unified by the Spirit. A scripture that I was reminded of on the way here was actually from Ephesians 1, and and it says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And we are connected in this way. He the head, we the body. He our groom, us the bride. We're going to look at a really familiar passage today, and I promise I didn't do this on purpose, but our ministry is actually named after this passage. So I'm just doing a little bit of promotion, but I'm actually not. (laughs) And so we're going to turn to John chapter 4. And in this passage, we find the famous story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus at the well. And I'm sure you guys have heard this story a million times, but it's the word of God, so we're going to hear it again and approach it with fresh eyes and fresh ears and fresh hearts just ready to receive from him. I'm so expectant, I'm so expectant that the Lord wants to pour out his love because he is a well that never runs dry. And sometimes we approach him and we just ask for table scraps. But what we hear from Psalm 23 is that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And I believe that on that table, it's not just half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I do. I believe that in any and every moment the Spirit has prepared for us a feast in front of us. And what I know is that in, uh, in Matthew, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for, they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and for, for theirs uh, they will have righteousness. And, and what I know is that when we are hungry and we are thirsty and when we are poor in spirit, we are lacking something. And so it's uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever been around anyone who's hangry before. I mean, surely it's not us, right? It's always someone else, but but it's uncomfortable to be hungry and thirsty. It's uncomfortable to be poor. And yet it is in this place that says, here, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And so there's a feast before us. And if we decide to pass on that, what does that say about our hunger and our thirst and our poverty of spirit? And so I welcome you to join with me in desperation and hunger and thirst and poverty and to seek after Him and to trust and to believe that there's a feast for us right now a truth, a reality, a culture of the kingdom of God just waiting to end break. I was just in Cuba a few weeks ago, and in their church, they had a beautiful stained glass window that had been there for years and years and years. And on the window, uh, it's an image of Jesus and the woman at the well. And uh, the pastors they were giving us a tour of their building, of their church, and, and they stopped at this window and they said, this is a historic window of all of Cuba. There's nothing like it in Cuba. And they said, the reason why we chose this passage was because in our city, there are many people, many women, who are prostitutes, who sell their bodies for money, for security, who are forced to. And they said, we put this up here because we want the women to know that Jesus doesn't want that from them. He wants to extend a hand, to offer the water of the well, the living water, the true life, the true love, pure, blameless. And he doesn't just want to actually give it to to her, he also wants her to to clothe herself with it. She becomes the very righteousness of God. He calls her holy. So with that being said, let's dive into this passage with the understanding that, that Jesus is our groom We are his bride. And I believe that this scripture reveals more of that to us. So I'm going to start in verse one. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went once once back, went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food let's stop there for a moment so Jesus had just begun his public ministry he had been preaching baptizing performing miracles like we talked about last night and the Pharisees were already mad about it people were already getting offended saying who is this man who does he think he is what does he think he's doing plus we wanted them to be crippled still we wanted them to to stay that way we can't see any signs any any miracles who is this man what does he think he's doing but Jesus wasn't ready to approach them yet that time would come and so he decided to leave Jerusalem to go to Galilee and I'm sure you've heard this before but the straight route from Jerusalem to Galilee it would have been through Samaria but many Jews would never go that route because to pass through Samaria was considered unclean. They, they, the Samaritans, they created their own Hebrew Bible. They set up their own temple on a separate mountain that wasn't the same mountain that the Israelites um, had set up. And, and so they decided that the sins of the Samaritans and the purity of the Jews, they, just, they should stay separate. And so the Jews would go the long way around. They would walk through the Jordan and, and, and get around if they had to, to go to Galilee. And yet Jesus, knowing the restrictions, a Jewish man, he didn't, he didn't see them as borders. He didn't see their sin or, or their misunderstanding or, or uh, any of that as a border. One, he wanted the shorter route, I'm sure. He wanted to make his time's worth while he was there. And two, I bet he saw it as an opportunity. And we know something that he, or that the woman doesn't know, which is there's a radical encounter about to happen. And so it says, as tired as he was, he stopped at a well. Now wells throughout biblical history have a lot of importance. One of them, one of my favorites, being uh, Hagar in in Genesis. She stops at a well and she has a radical encounter with the Lord and and she names God El Roy, which means the, the God who sees, the living one who sees me. And again, we know something that the Samaritan woman doesn't know, which is Jesus sees her. He sees her past, he sees her present. And yet, he still calls her to himself. But this isn't just any well that Jesus had stopped at. It's Jacob's well. And what we know about Jacob's well is that Jacob met his wife there. Now, Jesus is meeting a woman there, too. And when, when Jacob and Rachel meet at this well, they have all of their flocks gathered together and there's a stone that's over the well. And Jacob makes the suggestion, well, why don't we take the stone off to feed our, to nourish our sheep, to nourish our flocks? And and the others would say, no, it's not time yet. We have to wait for all of the sheep, all of the sheep, all of the flocks to gather there. And then we can take the stone off and everyone will enjoy. And what we see is that Jesus now is sitting on the well, he's taking a rest. And then enters a Samaritan woman. And suddenly, it seems that we're getting a glimpse of what is going to happen. That the stone is going to be removed, which should remind us of something that's going to happen later. And Jesus is going to become her living water to feed the flocks, not just her, though. She's going to go back and tell many. A groom, a wife, water, and sheep. Now, Jesus initiates the conversation. Let's see what he says. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is very deep. Where can you get this living water? the woman said I can see that you are a prophet our ancestors worshiped on this mountain but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem woman Jesus replied believe me a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you Samaritans worship what you do not know we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he, amen. So Jesus initiates this conversation with the woman, and the woman is clearly shocked. Jesus is breaking every social and religious norm of that time, and the woman points out the obvious. Sir, why are you talking to me? But Jesus, once again, isn't taking the long road around. He's going right for her heart. He's speaking directly to her, in some ways restoring dignity. And she doesn't even know who he is yet. No Jewish man would interact with a woman in these circumstances. She was there in the middle of the day. Women in that time would either go in the morning or the, in the evening to draw water, but she goes in the middle of the day. Why? Because she doesn't want to be with the other woman. Why? She's ashamed. And so day after day, she would, she would carry her jug and walk in the heat, which is what I imagine August is like here. And And she would walk, and she would walk, and she would sweat, and she would sweat, and she would come to the well, alone, it was in public, it was between a Samaritan and a Jew, and she was immoral, she was full of sin. And yet Jesus broke through and said, can I have a drink? He met her on her turf, can I have a drink? And she points out the obvious, says no. She's like, why are you talking to me? And, and he says something interesting. He says, if you knew the gift of God, then you would have responded differently. If you knew the gift of God, then you would ask me for living water. He's using a physical image to, to express a spiritual reality. You would ask me for living water, and she doesn't quite get it. And so Jesus replies, he tries to explain patiently in his way, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Now this gets her attention, because this seems like an opportunity for her. She would never have to come back to the well again. It would be an easy life. I could stay at home. Nobody would have to see me. I can stay ashamed in my dark corner. I'll never be thirsty again. I wonder how often we use Jesus like this. I know I have, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Jesus, I just need you to make my life easier. If you could just fix my family, fix that person that I have to interact with at work, that'd be awesome. Jesus, I want you to pour out your love, but only so that she thinks that this is a transaction, that he has some new thing to give to her and that she can just take it and run. But Jesus is trying to help her understand who he really is and what he is really offering her. Because it's so much more than transaction. And so Jesus tries a different tactic. Go, get your husband, come back. And she responds quickly, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You have had five. You're with a sixth man who isn't your husband. Now I can imagine that this is the woman's worst nightmare. He knows, he's called it out of her. And you know, I've had times in my life it's like this too. I say, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. And he says, okay, what about this? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I pull that back I'm not ready to go there I can't when he asks you to give up something that you don't want to when he asks you to obey in a way that you don't want to when he says a kind of truth that hits something and you're like whoa I didn't know I was believing something else there it's so easy to dodge to avoid to put on our religious faces and to say all the right words and do all the right things. And yet there are things that that God wants to heal, that God wants to speak to. And how good is he to do it? How good is he? Because he knows this woman's deepest need, her deepest desire, her deepest sins, her deepest brokenness, her deepest shame. And how good is he to reveal, to cast light? Now let me point out something to you. So it says that the woman had been with five husbands and one other. And so when Jesus is speaking to her he is revealing himself as the seventh and what we know about the number seven in the Bible is isn't always true and yet we see it in the story of creation all the way back in Genesis that the seventh day is the day of rest it's the Sabbath it's the holy day set aside for communion with God and humanity And so in this moment, whether the woman knows it or not, he is revealing himself to her as her true rest, as her holiness, as her purity, as her husband, true love. And yet, the woman doesn't even know his name yet. So changing the subject once more, the woman brings up a religious conversation. Well, you say that we should worship on this mountain, but we say we should worship on this mountain. I can see it now, I've tried this tactic before. Lord, what do you say about this? I don't wanna talk about myself right now, Lord. What do you say about this? I'm gonna pray for everyone else except for me she tries she tries and yet Jesus brings it back around and says that a time is coming and has now come where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth why because if she knew the gift of God which is the Holy Spirit then we know that we can worship anywhere, at any time because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He leads us into all truth, who is Jesus. And for the first time in public with the most sinful, the most socially unacceptable woman, He says, I am the Messiah. I am He. And we know the story. She goes back to her town. She tells everyone that she knows this could be the Christ. It might be Him. He knew everything about me. Don't ask the details. (laughs) It could be Him. And many come to faith because of this woman's testimony. And so here's what we know. This story doesn't just represent Jesus and the Samaritan woman. This, this story represents Jesus, our groom, and us, his bride. At one point, the most sinful, the most socially unacceptable, the lowest of lows because of, death, because of sin. And yet he revealed himself to us and he is now. You know, as I was praying for this conference months ago, the Lord told me, your past does not inform your present, your future does. Your past does not inform your present, your future does. And what's interesting is, is that this woman doesn't know what her future holds. Because we are on the other side of the cross, we see things and we know things that she didn't know. We have the Holy Spirit who once again leads us into all truth so we can obtain revelation about Him. And what I know is that it is no longer our sin that defines us, but our work as Christians, as people of believers, as people who claim to be the bride, is to claim it, to believe it, to live as if we believe it. Yeah. To know that the old has passed and the new has come. That we are clothed in robes of righteousness that only he could clean. That we walk in the authority in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. That he has given us the authority to walk in his name. And this woman, who doesn't even know what's coming yet, does it? Out of just a short encounter, she goes back to her town, and she tells everyone that she knows, no longer ashamed, but bold. How powerful is it? If we were a bride, who went out to those who don't know that there is a groom lovesick for them, How powerful would it be if people knew that there was a lover of their souls? Not one who wants them to work their way, to fix himself up, but one that he just wants to put a ring and robe on. One that he just wants his his love to pour out over them and their love to just spring up back to him. How powerful would that be if we let love lead in that way? This woman let love lead. It was an out of an encounter. In the same way that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, this woman has an encounter with him. And in this, in this place, he didn't say, go, tell everyone, but she did. It was an automatic response of love. Because we know that love, it can only create. It can only reproduce. Because love just can't help itself in that way. God can't help himself in that way. He loved us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. His love is so profound that he would give up his only son for that. And so, what I know is that if there are things in your life that you are being defined by, we did it last night with Carolyn, there are truths that he has for you. There's love that he wants to wash over all of those lies with. And he is the very water that will do it. The shame, the anger, the resentment, the sin, whatever it is, the fear, the doubt, the anxiety, the depression. Jesus is the living water who purifies us, who washes us clean. God created a bride for his son. And Jesus said the vows first before we even knew his name. Think about that faithfulness. Think about the faithfulness of God that goes back generations and generations and generations and generations all through Israel, all through our lives, all through the early church. Think about the faithfulness of God, the love of God that has led to this very moment where we are all gathered in a room seeking Him hungry and thirsty and impoverished for him. Think about the love that led here. And the powerful thing is, is that even though we have vowed and we have failed and we have vowed and we have failed and we have vowed and we have failed again, he still is so ready to embrace, so ready to encounter, so ready to wash us again because his well doesn't go empty. And so this groom would give up his own life to die for this bride who put him up there. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, he defeated the power of sin and death. He defeated the power of shame, of fear, of darkness, He defeated it and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and what did he do he sat down and he sent us the gift of God which is the Holy Spirit and one thing that I want to point out is that he's saying something here when he says if you knew the gift of God you would ask me for something okay what can we pick up from this we can pick up that because we have the gift of God we can approach him and ask for something because it is only the Spirit who leads us into truth It is only him who can direct us to the Father. And so we, with the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me to love him. I need you to teach me to love him. It's not even that we have to muster up our own love because he put it in us. He put his very presence in us so that we don't have to work, so that we don't have to strive, so that we don't have to be the Martha just working around trying to earn. We say, Holy Spirit, lead me to truth. And as soon as you have a revelation of truth, of who Jesus is, immediate worship. Immediate worship. Because when you see the holiness, the faithfulness, the love of God. There's nothing else we can do but worship and tell somebody. It's what we we were created for. We got to worship and tell somebody. The gift of the Spirit isn't all just about. It is about He is about signs and wonders, and He is also about an intimate relationship between you and Him. He prays when we don't even have the words to pray. He is our closest friend, our closest companion. He is the one who leads us to Jesus. And so what we know is that we can come to him now. At the end of all things in the Bible, in Revelation, there's a marriage feast. And I don't want to be at the marriage feast thinking that I didn't participate in this while I could have. I want to celebrate now. I want to trust that the future is what informs my life now. I want to trust that the promises that He has said are true for us now. What I love about Jesus is that simultaneously, he is the one who satisfies us and yet leaves us hungry for more of him. And so day after day, moment after moment, he satisfies us and then he says, but wait, I have more. Wait for the next course. He is the groom, we are the bride. I was at a wedding last week in Arizona and I was one of the bridesmaids, my cousin was getting married, and as I was watching her prepare, I was just watching her do her makeup, do her hair, put her earrings on, get her shoes on, eat some food. We laughed, we talked, we, we talked about the last moments before she becomes married. And what an honor it was. I mean, I was just a mess. I was just crying all day long because I was watching her. And as I watched her, I just saw her. I was like, you right now are an image of something that is to come. How many people are married in this room? Can I see? Yeah. What a beautiful sign of something that is to come between a groom and a bride, this is what we're made for. We're made to be in holy communion. We're made to live in this love. We're made to go to the well day after day, day after day, day after day, moment after moment, second after second, in our weakness, and our poverty, and our hunger, and our thirst, and say, I need you. And you are so kind to, to, to fill me, to fill my cup, to overflow. And what I know about love is that you're not full until you're overflowing. And so this is what I want to do. Well, this is what I think the Lord wants to do. So we'll see. I want to read um, a passage of Revelation. And then I want to invite you forward and we're gonna have a prayer team ready for you. And I just want you to receive. It is not, sorry, I'm not good at these things. Okay, it's not selfish to ask for more of him. It is never selfish to ask for more of him. It is actually his greatest delight to fill you. And whether you feel something or whether you don't, I'm not always a feeler. (laughs) Don't laugh. (laughs) We can trust that the future thing is true for us now. And what Jesus did on the cross is true for us now. That the love of God abounds. And where love is, there will be worship and there will be testimony. And we just can't help it that way. It's how we were created. Okay, let me read this. I'm gonna read from Revelation 19 and Revelation 21. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, For the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And God himself will be with them as their God he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold I am making all things new praise God also he said write this down For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. For the thirsty, he will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So be thirsty. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make these people a thirsty people make these people a hungry people make these people a a people that has poverty of spirit lord that you would give them the kingdom of heaven that you would satisfy them lord that you would make them a people of boldness that is led by your love that you would make them a people that, that their cups would overflow so much that they, they just can't help but to worship and to tell somebody. Lord, prepare these people as your bride. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you that you are making all things new. Would you catch us up in that? Catch us up in the work that you're doing in making all things new in this earth. Catch us up, Lord. Pour out your love in this place. Thank you that you are so generous to pour out your love in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would bring healing, that you would bring deliverance, that you would bring new formation in your people this day by your love, that you would give callings. Lord, I pray that you would bless um, all of us with with a great sensitivity to your spirit now, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would give us words of wisdom, words of prophecy, words of knowledge. Lord, whatever gift you may want to give us, our hands are open to you. We open up our lives to you. We open up our hearts to you. Whether we are in great need, whether we are in our deepest and darkest place, or whether we are in a great place with you, Lord, I just pray that, that you would pour out more, more of your presence. Thank you that you are jealous. Thank you that you are lovesick for us. We respond to you. We respond to you. that's been our episode for today thank you so much for listening remember to hit that subscribe button for more great content from our recent spirit and truth conferences and if you would like to attend a Spirit and Truth conference, you have one more opportunity to do so this year. You can head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash conferences. And there you will find all of the information you need to register for our last conference in Dayton, Ohio. That's it for today. And we'll come back to you in the next conversation.